You are listening to the Kensington Church Podcast, recorded live in Michigan. To learn more about Kensington, visit kensingtonchurch.org. Well, hello, friends. Welcome to week four of our series on growing. Um, so far, we've talked about believing, which begins our journey with God, which leads to a life of seeking. And in that seeking, we come to know him. And out of knowing, now we'll, we'll discover today that love grows. I want to begin with a question. Do you believe and love at first sight? Because I don't. Um, I believe in attraction at first sight. I believe in interest, intrigue, curiosity at first sight. But for love to actually uh, take root, there has to be more than just that first encounter. And what we've seen so far is that as we um, make that first decision to put some trust in God, that we begin to seek him. And in that seeking, as in all relationships, we get to know that person. And if the relationship is going well, love is born out of that. I don't think it's an overnight, immediate kind of thing. I think love in the context of what we're talking about in our relationship with God is much deeper. You may have heard that there are different words in the New Testament that are all translated into the English word love. And that's problematic for us because we use love in such a variety of ways. We can love a certain kind of ice cream and we can love a car. We can love our favorite sports team and use that word for all of those things. And then we also talk about loving God. In the New Testament, there there are Greek words for love that talk about like a brotherly love or a friendship, about romantic or erotic love. But the one that we're going to consider today and the one is assigned to God's love, the kind of love that God has, is the Greek word agape. And often this word is translated as a commitment, a decision, a, it's unconditional, it's, it often involves a cost, it's like the greatest form of love, but sometimes it's talked about as if there's no emotion connected to it, like there's no feeling that's there. And I think that's wrong, I think that's a mistake. I think God's love is all those things, it's unconditional, it's sacrificial, there's a cost there, he's committed to those that he loves. But I also think there's a deep desire that God has, that there's emotion connected to it, that there's feeling connected to it. I don't think love makes any sense to us unless we understand it also in that way. So we're told in John's letter, his first letter that he wrote in the New Testament, the shortest definition of the nature of God is just these few words. God is love. His very nature, his very essence is love. It's not that he's loving or that he loves you. It's not that there's a verse that declares that God loves people. This is declaring that God in his very nature, who he is, is love. And it's this agape kind of love. And then John goes on to write in chapter 4, just a few verses later, that we love, we love God because he first loves us. And as we consider in this growth model we're looking at, it's important to know that our loving part of this, that now comes, it comes because we've gotten to know him, is really only a response to the experience of being loved by God. And when we are loved by God, when we know we're loved by God, when we experience his love, we feel that embrace, we feel his delight in us, it evokes something in us of response, and that response is to love him back. And as we'll see in a few moments, everything changes when we live out of being loved by God. But let's think for a moment about the emotion of love, the emotional part the feeling part of even agape love that God might feel. I think one of the great chapters in the New Testament, and it's shaped a lot of Kensington over the years, is Luke chapter 15, where Jesus tells three stories of something or someone that was lost, and then the pursuit of someone to find that thing or that person that was lost. 
And when they're found, the, the, what they feel and how they react to it. These are the stories of the lost sheep, the lost coin, and the lost son. Um, I don't know if you've ever lost someone that's uh, of great value to you. As a father in the early years of raising our kids, uh, I was I was pretty absent-minded, and I've lost my kids a few times. I, I'm sorry to admit. Uh, one time in particular stands out where my wife and I and, and our family, was we were traveling, and we were in another city out of state. In the evening, we did some shopping, and we ended up in a Walmart. And our kids were fairly young at that time. I think our youngest, uh, Caleb, who's the point of the story was maybe five or six years old and he was a little bit of a prankster um, and loved to tease and you know get, get in kind of innocent trouble every now and then so my wife was going to go to the back of the store and she asked me to keep my eye on the kids which I didn't do a very good job of and a few minutes later I looked and there I counted them and there were two but my youngest Caleb was gone so I began to look around the immediate area calling out his name quietly but when he didn't surface and I couldn't find him I began to panic in, in my heart. I mean, I was frightened. And the reason I was frightened is because I love my son. Uh, and where is he? Something could have happened to him. And so I began to search around the immediate area. And then I began to expand the search. And I began to yell louder and louder his name. And then I got uh, employees involved in calling his name and looking for Caleb. And, you know, my worst fears in my mind were that he was gone. Someone grabbed him, took him out of the store, and I would never see him again. I even went out the front doors. I ran around the parking lot in the cold. Uh, it was nighttime, it was dark, um, just a sense of dread and fear because I was afraid that he would be never be found. And worst case scenarios were going through my mind. And so I think about these stories in Luke chapter 15, you know, where the, the shepherd lost the sheep and he left 99 to go after the one. And we read in John chapter 10 that, that the shepherd knows the name of every single sheep so when he's looking for the one, it's just not some nameless sheep. This is someone that he knew and loved and cared for. I, I see the desperation in his search. I see the anguish that I was feeling in, in those moments in the Walmart in his heart as he looked for this lost sheep. And then when he finds him, the joy that he felt, and he picks him up and he puts him on his shoulders and he carries him back to the flock. All three stories, the prodigal son story, the last one in John chapter 15, of the father whose son has gone away, and he waits by the road every day looking for his son's return. When he finally sees this little dot off in the distance and realizes it's his son, he can't help himself. He runs toward his son. He embraces him. And he weeps with him. And then he throws a party to welcome the fact that his son has come home. These stories are meant to tell us about the heart of God. The God who loves each of us desperately, urgently, passionately with his whole heart. And he goes and he looks for us and he searches for us. And when he finds us, he embraces us. So back to Walmart after, uh, I don't know, it seemed like forever. It was probably no more than five minutes of just utter panic. Um, all of a sudden, my son pops out one of those circular clothes racks. He was in the middle watching this whole thing unfold, thought it was hilarious. And uh, when I found him, I, hug, I gave him the biggest hug I had ever given in my whole life. Just fought back the tears. I was just so glad, glad to have my son in my arms. And then after that, I thought about, I, th I think I need to lock him in his room for a while to make him pay for what he did to me. But this is what love does. And this is God's kind of love. This is agape love. And we see the full extent of that love in the life and death and sacrifice of Jesus for us. But we see the emotion and the feeling in these stories in Luke chapter 15. And for us to know this and to embrace this and to grow into this, to imagine how we might live differently if we could live every day in the embrace of his love. 
Again, not doctrine, not a verse we've memorized, not a truth that we've learned, but the, actually in our relationship with him to feel the embrace of his love on our good days and on our worst days, because this is the nature of God's love. Um, you know, my, my wife, Chris, and I have worked for years in New York City with people that are living, really living on the margin, um, broken, uh, addicted, homeless, struggling with mental, mental health issues. And one of the, bar, the drums that we beat over and over when we talk about God uh, to them is that they are loved and to imagine what it would be like, and these are our two favorite words, to live loved. And so that's the encouragement and challenge I want to give to you today, that all of our spiritual growth ultimately is directed toward knowing God and apprehending his love and experiencing it deeply ourselves because being loved unlocks so much. When we live loved, everything begins to change. So I, I'm just going to pray this week that, that this is an area that you are moving into, that you are growing into, and I'm asking God, in fact, God, I'm going to ask you right now, would you just unlock the beauty and power and breadth of your love for each of us that we would indeed live loved? You've been listening to the Kensington Church Podcast. If you've enjoyed this recording, check back weekly for new content. You can find Kensington on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, and of course, at kensingtonchurch.org.